0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks and the program is Everything Co-op. We talk to you about the benefits of the cooperative business model, this solidarity economy, economy that is based on people coming together, working together in a democratic organization to create jobs and create wealth. The Co-op Development Foundation uh, creates heroes and we have four this year. We've interviewed two already. And today, we have Miss Ann Reynolds on the line with us this morning. Good morning, Ann.
1: Good morning, Vernon. Great to be on the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You know, you've worked your life in this co-op. How how has that been for you?
1: Well, it's been an extremely rewarding um, career. I feel really lucky to have been able to work with co-ops of all types and help people get businesses started that have either provided jobs for them or better markets or access to food or housing and uh, co-ops do it all. So, uh, but they're businesses and so they uh, need to be well managed and well run. And and I've um, been lucky enough to help with some of that work and uh, develop relationships with people that have been, you know, just uh, as I said, extremely rewarding.
0: So I've been doing this show now and pat thornton and i for now oh getting close to six years and i've never had anybody say they don't like their work As a matter of fact it's like we love this work right what what caused you to love this work
1: of a better uh, future either for themselves and their families or for uh, uh, the world sometimes if they're uh, trying to raise prices for you know a whole group of, of farmers, for example, or, or make sure that people have access to healthy food. And so that combination of idealism with then real sort of down-to-earth business and finance challenges and puzzle solving around adapting to that, I think those are the things that have have led me to really you know enjoy this work and I and I guess the other thing is that co-ops and credit unions are all about uh, democracy and so I do think that having that opportunity to really think about what motivates people to vote to become members to be loyal to an organization to um, think about the issues that are in front of them and then care about them and then exercise their right to uh, have a voice in uh, a business that they own. Uh, Those have been interesting, you know, fruit fruit for thousands of interesting conversations for me. And then the chance to put those lessons learned into practice has been uh, extremely, um, I I guess it's just made me love what I was able to do during my career and and continuing because I'm still working with co-ops particularly here in the upper Midwest where I live. So
0: So this is why you got elected into the Cooperative Hall of Fame. (laughs) So Congratulations.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm extremely uh, honored to be joining so many uh, wonderful people in the Hall of Fame. It's uh, kind of incredible. So, yes, thank you.
0: And for those out there, this is on May the 8th at the National Press Club. There's going to be a Cooperative Issues Forum uh, with the four inductees from 1.30 to 5, then a reception from 6 to 7, and a dinner and induction ceremony from 7 to 8.30. You can go on cdf.coop, Cooperative Development Foundation, to get information about tickets and sponsoring folks. Congratulations, Ann. I don't think there's anybody more deserving than that. And I had the uh, pleasure of being on a selection committee this year.
1: I didn't Uh, know that. Wonderful.
0: Maybe a total of five years in the past. And it was hard. There were so many great people. I was glad to see (laughs) you were one of those chosen. But it was very difficult because there's a lot of good people doing great things in co-ops. Making dreams come true, as you just talked about, whether it's local or internationally. What are some of your best projects? Well,
1: you know, one of the things that's been extremely gratifying for me is to see the interest in co-ops in so many communities that are really challenged by the current, you know, economics. And so I think that, for instance, here in Madison right now, I'm working with a group of women who have been in uh, home care for a long time. They're professionals who uh, really love what they do, uh, providing services to frail and elderly people. And they are uh, extremely excited about the co-op model. So they have been working for agencies for much of their career, and now they're planning to own their own business. And uh, looking at business plans and attracting a good workforce, understanding what uh, it means to make all of the decisions around a business, that journey for them, which I've been able to be part of, has been extremely exciting. So that's one Project that I've been honored to continue to work on. I think that uh, just seeing, you know, young people more involved in co-ops and the excitement about it—people of color, people of um, different uh, communities—who are who are just learning about co-ops for the first time—you know—that's something that, at least in the last five to ten years, has been um, really an important part of of my satisfaction in in being part of
0: this co-op movement. Yeah, I, I talked earlier about this home care, I gave an example in in uh, New York in the Communities Building Wealth book. They talked about a Christina whose salary I think went from $7 to $20 when mm-hmm. she went into a, in a co-op, but they had more responsibility because they had to do the administration or they had to hire somebody to look over a lot of stuff. But it's a way of making more money and filling Uh, Much more value. And I didn't say, but in this article about her, she worked less hours and spent more time with her children. So the whole community worked. Her family was better off because she's there with her children. The community is better off because the children are more likely to do well if mom is at home or parents are at home working with them and so forth. So it's, it's great stories what happens in co-ops. Right. What about uh, the research you guys did up there at the University of wisconsin madison center for cooperatives
1: yeah we were um working at the university I, I will say gave me a great opportunity to not only help people with uh, their business startups as i said but also doing some of that research i got to work with economists and sociologists and um, uh, you know for instance i worked with a a guy who was taking a look at two different uh, businesses that were sort of similar both of them we uh, were in the engineering field and one of them was a cooperative and another one was a privately owned business. And um, this guy spent time, tense time with both of them, trying to understand what's the difference in the business model and the satisfaction that the workers felt as they were going to work every day. So I was involved in that kind of research, very targeted on people's stories And then we also did uh, a lot of data collection to try to understand what's going on with co-ops all over the country and how do they compare to other businesses. For instance, uh, we know that uh, so many businesses are owned by people over 60 years old. What's going to happen as they transition into retirement? And uh, is there an opportunity for the employees to buy those businesses? And if that's true, What happens in communities where those businesses are preserved? And, um, you know, we're talking here, you know, small businesses under 50 employees. And Mm -hmm. so I was part of some of that research with economists looking at that data and uh, trying to, you know, promote that idea of employee ownership for those seniors who are looking towards retirement.
0: So I understand that the baby boomers, those seniors, which I'm in that group um, they are I don't know, they were talking, I don't know, two thirds of the business, small business, a large amount of small business are owned by this group that are retiring. Right. And it's like if somebody doesn't buy the business, then they fold it up. If their children more and more don't want to get into the small business, then they just fold it up and those people lose their jobs that were working there, if it's. Fifty employees there's fifty nine people that don't have jobs. where, if they buy the business, then that business stays in the community, those people have jobs, and it may be more rewarding jobs. It seems like a win 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 for the community, for the families, for the economy, and for everything
1: absolutely absolutely and you know and one of the challenges in that scenario is rewarding that business owner for the time and effort that they put in, the risks they took as they were starting that business, and, you know, figuring out how can the employees put together the assets to buy the business. So those are, um, you know, those are solvable issues usually, but it does take some intense planning, good work with financial institutions, and actually even financial planning with the employees so that they can, you know, see what their options are to put together a little bit of money to, to, um, to buy the business. But, but as you said, you know, if you've got 59 people buying a business, you have a better chance of, of having that happen than if it's just a, um, single person who's going to have to put together all that cash. So, you know, these are real challenges, but they're not insurmountable. And, uh, the more we can spread this, the word of this option to small business owners so and to employees so that they can start thinking about this five, ten years before the business needs to be sold, the better the chance of success. Yeah, so that I'm glad you're talking about At one point, the Small Business
0: Administration was not guaranteeing loans for co-ops. Right. Did they change the rules now where they are guaranteeing loans?
1: My understanding is that they have, but I will say that I have not followed that as closely as I should have. So that would be something that that we could certainly answer at a later show. I know that there's been a tremendous effort to get the um, small business association on board with that, and and then private banks also need to be educated about what it means to have cooperative ownership as opposed to an LLC or a sole proprietorship. And, um, so yeah, there are some challenges out there, but I, but I do know that there's a lot of people that have worked very hard on the SBA issue.
0: So I think they now will make the loans. The problem has always been in a co-op. You don't have one individual with the assets and everybody owns it. And so who signs for that loan? Who takes that? And that's what they normally do. I've also been told on this show and I haven't, I don't know the research, but like, 90% 90% of co-op businesses are still in existence after five years, where only 10% of normal businesses that get started, I'm talking about the small business that get started up, are still in business after five years. Do you know, have your research shown that to be the case?
1: You know, uh, that's a really good point. And I know that research coming out of Canada is very definitive on that. And in other countries where they collect more of that data, that just as you said, that sustainability has been um, documented. Uh, here in docu- the United States, we I, don't I, really.
0: We, we got to take a, our, our final break here. We'll be right back. And I want to uh, pick back up on this. Washington DC's News Talk, 1450 AMWO at 95.9 FM. Nation is power, and that's why WL makes a very, very good partner. We're, NCB is sponsoring this program to give you the information so you can either start a cooperative or you can go find a co op um, to do business with, whether it's a credit union or a food co op or in Madison, Wisconsin, a clinic. Uh, That's owned by the patients, so this is why we really like talking about this. And before we took the break, we were talking about the sustainability of co-ops. It seems that once a co-op gets started, they they have a tendency to stay in business. And you were talking about the research that you've in Canada. Can you continue that?
1: Yeah, I just uh, commented that the Canadians do a great job of documenting this kind of research and chance of a. Co op surviving is much higher than a a non co op uh, after the startup, initial startup phase. Here in the U.S., we really are depending on anecdotal evidence. And so that's on the plate for a a research project is to really understand that sustainability. But I guess in the circles and the career that I had, you know, anecdotally, people understand that co ops take a little longer to get started. they're very deliberate. They need a lot of voices around the table. But once they have put together the business model, they last. And I can think of, you know, examples all over the country that, um, for example, were challenged during the recession of 2008. There's a a worker co-op here in Madison that could have laid off half of its staff because they were in the manufacturing business. And instead, during that recession, they cut back everybody's hours, made a decision that everyone would share that uh, struggle. And now, in 2019, they are constantly hiring. They can't hire fast enough to meet the demand in their business. And everyone who came through that period during the recession is doing extremely well. So they didn't lose good employees. They sustained their business, and now they're growing. Okay, okay. And that okay. happened all, over and over, but again, it's what? anecdotal rather than having you know um, we don't. The census, for instance, as as you may know, the U.S. Census does not collect information specifically on co-ops. We do have some trouble with some of those um, measurements. Uh, and on
0: that issue too. So. I, I want to go back a minute because that sounds very exciting to me. Is that all right? The downturn is happening, uh, folks. are losing their homes. Uh, banks are talking about going under, and yet, then it hits all. It hits every aspect of our economy. Right. Okay. So here's this company manufacturing uh, widgets or something in, in your area, and they decide to cut back hours instead of firing people. But who made that decision?
1: Well, in that case, the interesting co-op, they have a very large board. So everybody who's a member of that um, group, and at the time it was about 30 people, with then about another 30 people who were not members, who had chosen not to be members. But those 30 members made that decision together. And so they have a very consensus-based decision-making Around those kinds of issues, you know, they have a typical hierarchy when it comes to just kind of getting the work done. But when they were faced with this challenge of layoffs, people who wanted to take uh, vacation and unpaid breaks for whatever reason were encouraged to do that. And they just didn't want to lose good employees. They were looking long term. They knew that eventually the economy would, would bounce back. And they didn't want to, you know, cause the, the the destruction that we all know um, and the stress that happens in families when a job is lost. They chose that other route. Farmer co-ops have done the same thing. There's dairy co-ops where they've decided to ask every farmer to deliver less milk to the plant in order to make the plant profitable during the downturn. You know, there's, there's taxi cab co-ops where, where, where everybody has taken a a hit to their hourly wage for a period in order to get through a downturn. And again, we don't have huge amount of data, but we know that similar businesses in our communities lay off and is usually the first step of, of, of many businesses when and, and that's just not what co ops tend to do. So
0: it seems like and the reason I went down is that the small business administration and other banks would want to loan money to co-ops, even though the model that we've been used to it doesn't fit because those 30 employees, <laughs> nobody really owns it. And they probably don't have a lot of collateral to sign up, but they, they last, they pay their bills.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so, so sometimes it's really about, people that are making these decisions that are they're just not familiar enough with the model it's different doesn't maybe check all the boxes on the form and uh, so I think a lot of it is about education they're not trying to be bad actors out there they just don't really understand what uh, worker or consumer or farmer ownership means and so I think with education and with the kinds of things that you're doing here on this show and and um, all of the different organizations that are out there that, that care about this, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see a real improvement in the way banks see and, and other lending organizations see co-ops. And some of it is just um, being a little bit more, like for instance, there's a home care co-op in Wisconsin where, uh, yeah, the, the people that owned it didn't have a lot of assets and they certainly didn't um, want to, The members of that co-op certainly didn't want to you know, put their cars on the line, for example, or or other assets that they have. They didn't want to sign personal loans, and they couldn't uh, in order to get their initial bank loan. But what they had was a contract, and the bank worked with them and their supporters and understood that that contract was money in the bank. Mm -hmm. And that's what they used then in order to get their first loan. So with a little imagination and a lot of uh, goodwill and education, they were able to, you know, use that contract as their first um, collateral, essentially. So, so I see work. you've
0: you worked with the Credit Union National Association, and you run a board of Share Capital. Did I see that somewhere here in your head? Yes, opinion?
1: right. Yes. And Share it's- Capital Cooperative is a community development finance institution. There's thousands of those all over the country. But we specialize in lending to cooperatives. We are a cooperative. Members are individuals and in co-ops who have put money into the fund, and then that fund loans out money to co-ops all over the country. And we do understand co-ops and actually even play the role of working with other lenders sometimes to educate them, as I had mentioned, about what co-ops are. But I chair the loan committee and work with a great group of people to um, look at the, you know, financials of co-ops and uh, help them be successful through, you know, good and stable loans. And uh, it's been growing Uh, The lending by co-ops to co-ops has been very successful. And uh, we work with credit unions as well as um, other CDFIs around the country.
0: Well, I did have uh, Christina to come out and do a presentation to one of the uh, housing co-ops that I manage. and. I wanted them to. They they've got quite a bit of a replacement reserve, and I was hoping they would put some of it up in the share capitalist co op, helping co ops. This sixth principle, cooperation among co ops, and I'd like to for her to, if you can give her a message to follow back around. I'll try to call her too, because I think they may be ready.
1: <laughs> I'd be glad to. That's exciting. Yeah, it, it really that's is. a perfect example because in that money, it's it's um. You're, then that that co that housing co-op is making that money work for other co-ops and uh i'm sure christina you know told them about all of our safeguards and our um really conservative approach making sure that um the lending is done wisely and that it um but it's just it just makes we, i know that even sometimes fifty thousand dollars very small loan can can make the difference between a business going forward and um and not
0: happening. So. And I'm going to have to get you on a, back on again. You have, there's so much we can deal with. and Couldn't get it all done in a half an hour, but we've got to sign off now. Our time is up already, and I have more questions than time. <laughs> 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 Love talking it's to you. Thank you for coming on. It's been wonderful to talk
1: to you, Vernon. Thanks so much.
0: All right. Everybody out there, have a great week and live cooperatively. Thank you. Washington, D.C.'s News Talk, 1450 AM WOL at 95.9 FM.